Welcome into Loserville, folks. We've got a cool episode this week. Uh, Tyler and I both read a remarkable piece of journalism by the great Kathy Wise at uh, D Magazine, a story that is still up on their site. Encourage you to read it. It's like 11,000 words. Take take a lunch break and read read the whole thing. Um, and it is the it's the incredible story of Judge Suzanne Wooten and the bizarre and frankly inexplicable way that she was abused by the establishment Republicans in Collin County. And so Tyler and I were thinking about this, and I, you know, I said, well. It would be fun, I think, since I'm friends with her lawyer, to get him on to tell maybe the stories that didn't make the Kathy Wise piece or give us some more of that depth. So we have here with us today the city attorney of Aurora, Colorado, Pete Schulte, who is a licensed peace officer, I, I think you still are, and uh, a a well-regarded criminal defense lawyer and has moved on to Colorado and is trying his hand at municipal law. Do I have that about right, Pete? Yeah, and so I'm I'm not the city attorney. I'm one of the uh, managing assistant city attorneys, but uh, I don't know. A city attorney. That's much less exciting than your nickname in the article that you were given <laughs> by John Roach. Yeah, I was the, uh, the faggot from Dallas. What uh, <laughs> uh, the... I mean... So, it, Pete, part of part of my reaction to this story is that people in who whoever went to court in Collin County for whatever reason, criminal family, because they don't have courts of specialized jurisdiction, we all were exposed to the her Wooten's predecessor Sandoval and Wooten, and we I think everybody had at least some familiarity with this story, at least in broad strokes. But I think most people living in Collin County who elected John Roach, who have elected all these people for so many years, have no idea how lawless it is. And that's the word that Kathy used. You want to start by giving us kind of the sketch of what happened? I know, I mean, I know that's not a quick thing to say, but it's like, it's so unbelievable. It, it is, and and I'll tell you, you know, I was I was a much younger lawyer uh, back then. I had graduated from SMU in 2005 from law school. I was relatively new. I'd worked in the DA's office for a couple of years, and had come out. I was starting my own practice. And in, as we know, in 2006 in Dallas County, we had the flip. Right, the Democrats won, and all the Republicans were ushered out. Well, I can tell you that uh, that scared the Republicans a little bit in Collin County, and I. I was born in Dallas, but I was raised in Plano, so I know all the Collin County players. I, you know, was up there quite a bit uh, practicing law, uh, but I remember the 2008 election, right? And uh, one of the lawyers I office shared with uh, was friends with Suzanne Wooten, and I got to know Suzanne, and I and I I adored her. I I thought she would be great. I think she'd bring a fresh perspective to the bench. And to be honest, I was tired of dealing with the old white men. Of Collin County. I think it would be good to get uh, some more female judges up there and to, to kind of go against uh, the, the status quo, right, where the, it's an old old white men's club up there where historically when a new bench was created, whether it was a county court of law bench or a district court bench, it was in, a, it was in effect an appointed judicial uh, panel up there, right? So a new district court would come up, then they would 
all get together, they would, would run, you know, at the next election and whoever got elected got to sit in that district judge seat forever because nobody would ever run against a sitting incumbent judge or they would present a an agreed upon candidate to the governor and the governor would appoint. And then again, that person was appointed for the for, for, for life. And that's not how we do things in Texas, right? We have we have elections for a reason. Um, but here comes Suzanne Wooten. She decides that Sandoval was a tyrant, and I would agree with her. I had known him a little bit when I was a police officer up in McKinney, um, and he was pro-law enforcement. He was as Republican as they come, um, but he had his favorites, and he would rule against people in family law cases that was instrumental um, to um, you know their, their their families, and so she picked a judge that probably had a, had a good thing to to have a target on on their back. So um, she ran, and I and, I, and, and she asked me. She's like, I, you know, I practice up here. I, you know, she had an office in McKinney, and she just couldn't. You know, she's like, am I? You know, she thought about running as a Democrat, which I think what prompted all of this. I think the fact that she dared, you know, say the D word. Um, was, uh, you know, like, oh, she's a phony, you know, how dare she would run against me? And it, and it was a God complex. I mean, these judges, as you know, Phil, I mean, these judges had a God complex, right? They could never, they were appointed for life. I, you know, it was, it's so weird. Um, I remember so clearly that <clears throat> when, uh, oh, what's his name? Chris, um, man. I can't believe I have forgotten that man's last name was Oldner. on the Oldner was on the yeah. county court law bench <clears throat> when I probably when I got licensed. And, um, you know, I was I, I would practice in front of him. And then, you know, he you know, I was in his court one day. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to move up to the district bench. Um, and he's like, and, and Ray Wheelis is probably going to be the judge of, of this court. And then when Oldner got done being on the district court, Wheelis just followed him up to the district court. And I was like, man, this is like um, in Mexican politics back when a single party ruled the country for forever, this is kind of how they chose the president. Like it was called the Didasso, the, the finger pointing. And uh, and that that's, I, I think people in Collin County have no idea that that's how their elected, supposedly elected benches worked. Well, they had no clue. And so- you know, early on when, you know, again, again, I was, you know, four years out of law school um, and I, you know, I had, I was making the rounds as the legal analyst for Fox 4 in Dallas. You know, I was doing a lot of those things. I had, you know, I was a, a spokesperson for the McKinney Police Department when I was there. I, I was student body president of the law school. So I wasn't new to the Dallas, obviously the Dallas legal scene. So, um, and, and her and I clicked, we got to know each other and, you know, we, we trusted each other. So uh, back in 2009, when all of these weird grand jury subpoenas started getting issued for her bank accounts or, or her vacation home, her credit cards, you know, it's like, what the, what the hell is going on? Right. And you know, so she asked me, she said, Hey, you know, you, you've got some contacts up there. And I knew Chris Milner because when I, I, I was still an active peace officer in, in, in Collin County as a reserve. I was acting as a legal advisor for one of the one of the smaller police agencies in Collin County. Uh, and, I, and I thought I would talk to Milner and say, hey man, what, what are you doing? What do you need? Um, and he said, um, 
oh, we'll let you know. That was the first meeting that we had. And so I, I said, look, and so she had said, well, you know, she explained the whole process to me, right? How she had hired this media consultant to come in to help her uh, do radio ads, right, during the election. And she, she decided to run for judge on the last day to file. So back then, it wasn't in the beginning of December as it is now. It was the end of December, but whether or not, actually the beginning of January, but whether or not you wanted to file to run. So she she ran and she decided, you know what, I've got I've got a good practice. I've got money saved. I've got $150,000 line of credit that I can use from the business if I need to do that for the campaigning. And so she went all in. I mean, gosh, I remember just being, you know, like my parents were still living up there, um, you know, and it's just, just the, the shock factor to the political establishment up there. How dare somebody challenge a sitting district judge in Collin County? Um, and I said, well, you know, even though, even though none of us liked him, <laughs> it was, it was shocking uh, that, and I said, I said, you know what, and then she won. She, by landslide, I mean, she kicked his ass. It what, 14%, right? 57, 43, was that? Yeah, that's yeah, a lot. I think, I think early, the day of early voting was, I think it was 57 to, yeah, to 43 was above, but on, on, on uh, election day, it was over 60% to 40%. I mean, that is a, that is an ass kicking. Right. And so what I found out, I started firing off a bunch of a bunch of open records requests because I wanted to say, you know what? I want to see what happened the day after the election. And I was able to get data from the card access system um, that Charles Sandoval, for some unknown reason, had access to the DA's office on his access card. And that morning, the day after the election, he walked over there and dashed his way into the DA's office. And I surmise. But that is exactly what happened. And I do realize later on that he had gone in. We realized this you know, through some of the, the evidence gathering. But she said the only way she could have won, because I'm God, I'm great, is that she must have cheated. You got to find out what she did, DA, and, and fix this. I'm going to get my job back. And that was the premise of it. So six grand juries lower. They had no idea what they were looking for. None. Pete, Pete give Give the listener a better idea of what six grand juries looks like. Six grand juries are going to be, and these were in Collin County at the time, the, the grand juries were, were being run. There were two every six months. Okay. So we're talking about six grand juries that would have been spread over three years. All right. And what Christopher Milner decided, as you saw probably in the article, is he really wanted to be a cop, right? He wanted to go out there and, and do the worst of the worst and, Bring everybody in. So he decided he was going to form this special crime unit in the Collin County DA's office, by the way, which no other DAs do. They use their they lose their immunity when they do that. But no other thought he could do it. So he would bring all these investigations in and do them inside the grand jury because the grand jury is supposed to be secret. Well, it kept going on and on. And so they at first they thought it was going to be campaign irregularities, right? How does she didn't have this money? How does she how does she have this money to do to do Radio ads, they, they, they must cost a fortune. Sandoval believed that they were cost, you know, that, that, that the conservative talk show that she was advertising on cost a hell of a lot more than what she paid, right? You know, but this, that's the, that is, that's the part of the story that is so unbelievable to me because you know this, Pete, when, uh, when your opponent advertises on a TV or a radio station, that station has to call you and offer you the same price. Yep. 
They and they did, and he didn't have the money because again, of course not. None of these incumbents ever thought that they would ever get a, a legitimate challenger. But have you ever had a, a client before who had to face six grand juries? No, it's ridiculous. And the way grand juries are supposed to work is again, this goes back to DA's offices are never supposed to act like the police department, right? The DA's office take the cases from the police departments. They take it to a grand jury. They secure an indictment based on the work done by the police department, right? If they have questions, if the DA's office says, I need more information or any further investigation, they send it back to the police department and have them do it and then send it back up. For it to go past one grand jury is, is, is so rare in and of itself that to go to six, I couldn't, I, I mean, it just blew my mind. And I, I mean, it just, it smells like trying to get a result with evidence that wouldn't convince even grand jurors, which are not, you know, people off the street in Collin County. It, it, they're, they're generally politically con connected. Um, but, and so usually, it, isn't it fair to say that grand juries tend to do what prosecutors ask them to do? Sure. What's the line? You can indict a ham sandwich if you want to. That, you can get a, a jury to indict a ham sandwich. That. You can indict a ham sandwich. Um, and and so what, what I found was that back then, that one of the one of the positive things that came out of this this uh, episode for Suzanne Wooten was is we got rid of the pick a buddy system for for grand juries, right? So you could a district judge could appoint three to five what they call grand jury commissioners, and the grand jury commissioners could put a list together of up to 30 or 40 names. So what these grand jury commissioners would do is they would choose people who were well-connected politically, you know, very involved in the community. And these grand juries weren't just full of lay people, which is what they should do, right? They were full of political operatives. And John Roach used that to his advantage. And so when they realized that Judge Wooten had done nothing wrong with their financials or with their campaign reports, um, they conjured up a plan, and I'll tell you why. They, uh, when I started getting, I'll just say, when I started becoming a pain in their ass, I, uh, I got introduced to Harry White in the Attorney General's office. Um, I mean, a total. Can I cuss on here? Yeah. No, we did, we we mark it explicit because because I'm the host. <laughs> He's a total dick and an asshole. All right, and and I know, and he hated. The fact that he was having to deal with me, I knew it. I hated him. In my phone, it was asshole Harry White was my in my cell phone for him, and it became a game. So one of the first things we did is we we realized in the fifth grand jury. So this was the one going to be um, in 2010, 2009, 2010. One of them had been had been disbanded. The judge, Judge Wheelis, who happened to be the judge of that grand jury, had let them go. Well, I found out through the grapevine that Harry White thought he was powerful enough that he could reconvene the grand jury uh, to get what they want. All right. And so that was my opportunity. So I wrote this nice motion to quash the illegally reassembled grand jury. All right. <laughs> And I put in all the dirty laundry because I wrote it as a press release. That's what that's what you know Kathy thought was funny is Pete had this knack, me had this knack of writing pleadings that put the story out there because that's what needed to happen. Oh, that pissed them off. And Judge Judge Wheelis, we had a hearing 
And Harry White argued it against me, and he was a complete dick. Um, and I won the hearing. So I upped the ante. Okay, I pissed him off because you have zero, Judge Wheelis told Harry White, you have zero control over a grand jury. How dare you? This is granted. That grand jury is over. And uh, then I, I knew, like, and at that point, I've been talking to, to Toby Shook, who, you know, everyone knows I'm a profile lawyer. Because of my age, they wanted to bring in somebody else to help on the team that has some notoriety, some credibility. And obviously, Toby met that. Met that well, and, and I mean, Toby's a, you know, legend in the in the Dallas criminal defense bar and ran for DA in Dallas County. And, you know, I, I like him. I, I I don't know if people have different opinions of him, but I think he's pretty cool. Oh, me too. I think he's a fantastic lawyer. That's why I I asked Suzanne to bring him on. And it was funny because as soon as as soon as Toby came on, Harry White fell in love with him. I mean, Harry just felt like he was the best thing ever because um, he was he you know he, he had a he had been a prosecutor for so long. I think that's why Harry had had kind of fell into that. And so, a couple months later, new grand the sixth grand jury comes up and she ends up getting indicted for six counts of bribery. All right, engaging in organized criminal activity. And some and some you know election you know stuff and I'm like so right. I literally as Kathy's article states I read the indictment I'm like this is this is hysterical this is laughable right there's not a judge in the world that is not going to quash this indictment because what they had done is is they had taken the bribery statute in the state of Texas and there's four ways to commit bribery in the state of Texas right one is you know you got the 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 envelope of cash behind the church and you tell the judge hey judge are we good to go on uh, on this hearing on monday here's a here's a little envelope for you and then the judge goes let's go see the bills i think we're good right that is giving a benefit for a benefit right well because our election of judges in texas just shocks the conscience of any citizen who really understands right how we elect our judges where you know, Phil, you and I could be at a at a judge's fundraiser, you know, on a Saturday night, write them a $2,500 check, because that was the limit back then, show up in their courtroom on Monday, and win a hearing, right? I mean, most people are like, well, what, what, what the hell, right? And so I've never like, had it happen in that proximity, like where you, where, you, where you do it on Friday and then you're in court on Monday. But I sure as hell have stroked checks and then won hearings in the same court within the month. And, oh, and that's every lawyer I know. Well, and, yeah. the, right, and, and I, the crazy thing is it could be anybody, right? I mean, that's the thing that I, I guess is especially wild. Like, as even as a non-attorney, a private citizen, right? If I made a donation to a judicial candidate and then I get brought in for some, a DUI and it gets thrown out, right? Well, was my donation, you know, planning for me to commit this future crime to then be i mean it's just that's crazy to me uh yeah and, and again it's it you know if it was a, if it was a a defendant right then they would probably recuse themselves they would never do that with a lawyer right right that's that's how judges get elected in texas they rely on the lawyers that practice in front of them to give them campaign cash so the legislature knew that so when they wrote the bribery statute they said if if it resolve, if it comes from a political contribution, somehow involves a political contribution, then the, the prosecution has to show by direct 
evidence of an express agreement, right? That for this campaign cash, you're going to do X. So what does direct evidence mean? You got to have a recording, a wiretap, a video, something where it says, hey, this campaign contribution, uh, you know, it was it was for this result. So again, Suzanne never received any money from these people that were indicted with her, the, the carriers. She never did. Okay, but they claim that they that there was this big elaborate conspiracy to go through her media consultant was actually doing work for the carriers. It's the equivalent of in our law practice, if I decide that I got to write a check out of my own operating account for another client, right? And I say, hey, client A, I just I just paid you know ten thousand dollars for a, a deposition fee or whatever. I paid it out of my operating account, then I turn around and bill the client, and the client pays me back, right? That was how this happened. That because he was the media consultant when he took these radio ads to the to the radio stations, he was getting a kickback, right? He would get a percentage of the fee, so he would write the check or do an IOU, then bill the campaign, and the campaign would turn around and write a check. So the initial indictment, which should have been right, if you're they claimed these were political contributions, right? That the that this. To the, this married couple had given political contributions through Steve Spencer, the media consultant, okay, that was never reported and it was done um, for, for, you know, favorable rulings in their family law case, right? Well, I said, this is ridiculous because there's no allegations of direct evidence of an express agreement. My whole motion to quash uh, the indictment to get the indictment to go away was Judge, they can't indict a judge when it involves political contributions under 3602A1, which is that one section of the bribery statute that we talked about at the beginning, right? Cash behind a church and Deep. that came from Tyler, which I believe was handpicked, right? To do this goes, well, they're gonna die here on anything they wanted to. And I remember getting so pissed off in that hearing, and I'm like, you're the judge. You've got to protect people because what you're doing, Judge, if you let this indictment stand, you could be indicted tomorrow. Every one of you could be indicted tomorrow because you received a campaign check from somebody. That's what you're allowing. And he goes, well, that's what, you know, that's what they did. They did they do whatever they want. Okay, complete pushover. And so that's what led us down this path. We ended up having to go to trial. So I remember the jury just telling me that they were just incensed on how we elected our judges. And I believe that, you know, somebody asked, well, how did she get elected? I mean, how did she get convicted? Did she didn't do anything wrong? And I said, this was a trial on how citizens feel about how we elect our judges, right? They couldn't believe that it, that, that how we did it, and it has to be illegal. That's what it was. Well, it does suck. I mean, <laughs> I don't think we should be doing it, but um, we do it, and... Um, you know, I the other the thing I will say about it is that I don't see evidence of judges taking political contributions into account when ruling from the bench. I mean, no. what is is that your I, I mean, I just the the contributions that they get, I, yeah, yeah, they're you know, they got some zeros on them, but they generally get spent. You know, they get spent on advertising. These aren't enriching judges in any way, shape, or form. They're basically supporting the judge's uh, partisan 
politics because judges tip typically are the ones who most fund county party infrastructure. And so even if they're not spending it on radio ads for themselves, they're winding up making huge contributions to the coordinated campaign for, for their party in that, in that county. And, you know, that's just, but the whole point of the law is that you don't want to have to explain that to a jury. That's a lot to explain as a defendant. Correct. And it's, uh, he said, um, you know, as we talk about the, the attorney generals, right? Again, so they, so as the as the case kind of progressed, um, the the attorney general changed their their position a little bit. They said, well, now now you know she really didn't get the money, but she was able to wait four to six weeks before she had to pay it, right? So it was the time period, the amount of interest savings, which would have been nominal. Right. So they realized they weren't going to get anywhere by saying she never received the money from the carries, right? Because she had no idea the carries were even having Spencer, or sorry, having, yeah, Spencer do any work for them. She had no idea. And so this is all a big shock. You know, when we got this and going, who are these people? Right. What, what you know, who knows? But again, they're they're putting this all together to get this, this, this what I call legal fiction of an indictment, right? And so at the end of the at the end of the deal, at the, the trial, they're saying what well, was the benefit of her not having to, to go into her line of credit? She could wait till after the election to have a fundraiser after the fact. And that was the benefit. She didn't have to go into her line of credit and pay a little bit of money of interest. Okay. That was the benefit. But they made a mistake. Okay. They kept saying that the money was used for her campaign. You look at the definition of a political contribution, it is any money given or receive that's used in connection with a political campaign, right? So when we got to the end of the trial, Beep. I mean, he's retired now, so I don't want to get in trouble with my lawyers, but. Beep. Judge, they have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that that money was not a political contribution. And if they have a reasonable doubt they're wrong, they must say it is. And that way, it's an acquittal because they have to do it under 3602A4, direct evidence of the express agreement. He denied that. So everything that I did in the motion to quash and in the jury charge arguments is what the Court of Criminal Appeals in a unanimous decision said, yeah, the first lawyer on this was right. Okay? This is bullshit because they felt like every judge could get indicted on a, on a rogue prosecutor like what happened with John Roach and Greg Abbott, the then Attorney General. So explain the charging document and the jury charge. Um, the Because I think typically, even if you wind up with an inappropriate indictment, if the, if the law is accurately explained to the jury, we trial lawyers tend to think that, you know, eight or nine times out of 10, they get it right. Um, what happened with the jury charge? So the jury charge, when we went into it, and it was a long jury charge, the jury charge is the law given to the jury. So, the, so that is all they can consider with the evidence that they heard, right? Does the evidence that the prosecution put on, okay, match the law to make it a crime? And what, was, what the result was in the jury charge is, of course, the, the judge of the trial court at the time just went with, 
what the attorney general presented. Just denied ours summarily, right? Just said, you know, no, you're not, you're not right. I said, Your Honor, they have presented evidence that this money that they're alleging was given to the carries was then used in a political campaign. You cannot ignore that fact. Okay. That is part of the trial now. And he goes, well, that's not what they're alleged in the indictment. So this judge, I'm, you know, pulling out the, the hair that I had back then, right? He was like, what in the hell? This is this is a this is a setup. But I literally, I lost faith in the justice system back then, very young in my career, you know, that, that this could actually happen. This is how people get railroaded. You know, even though she had two capable lawyers that were arguing this, the judge didn't care. And it was, it was sickening to see it. Well, and, it, you know, when you get to the end of a trial and you've got a problem with the charge, and we have we use a charge in 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 civil practice also, they use it in family practice and in criminal practice. If you have a problem with the charge, you can wind up in a situation where you have to very quickly change the structure of your closing, the final argument that you get to make to the jury and what you're asking them for, because you're you're hemmed in in a way by the walls of the jury charge that the judge sets up. So how did you how did you close this case? So we argued. We said, look, like, and, oh, by the way, we also found evidence, okay, that Greg Abbott himself, who was the attorney general at the time, did exactly the same thing that had a media consultant that would go out and pay in advance and then turn around and bill Greg Abbott's campaign. And the judge would not let us bring that up. And it's like, well, you're just trying to shoot across the battle of the, of the DA. I'm like, no, Your Honor, these are facts, right? If you're saying that what she did was a crime, look at all of these examples, right, of everybody. This is how campaigns are done, you know? And so then he, then he goes, well, you know, um, if, if, you, if you do that, you know, it's like then we wanted to get into the, the, the six grand juries and everything else that they were doing. He won't let us get into any of that as well. And so, I, again, I, I look back at that all my, I remember going home and I remember talking to Toby and to Judge Wooten. I'm going, this is this is stacked against us. This is not a fair trial. And I'm worried. I'm worried that this jury is going to convict because they don't understand. And they're getting, and again, the, 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 the information that was presented to them, okay, was not a crime under Texas law. But the way they prosecuted the indictment and the way they got the jury charge the were given to the jury, I could see how a jury could say, well, you know, I, think, I think so. I mean, that's kind of what happened. And it's legal fiction, right? And that scares me to death that we have a system that that can happen. With, I mean, we had zero checks and balances. And thank God for the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals. And I realized, because I remember it, and I remember the, the time when the jury came back and I and I remember, and, and of course, Harry White hated me, right? I already knew that. And I looked at him at the end of the trial. I said, I'm going to freaking appeal this to the end of time, right? And I, I and I, and it, again, it, it struck it struck him because he's like, oh, crap. He knew. And still to this day, I know he, he knew that what he was doing. And I, and I know that's how it ended up when he went to, to Toby, his buddy, and said, Hey, uh, your client will waive her, her right to appeal. That's all I cared about. He, he didn't want us to be able to get what we got, right? That we were able to do a writ of innocence 
um, to, to declare her to declare her innocent, right? After the Court of Criminal Appeals ruled in one of the co-defendants cases. And so I knew that. I'm like, that's that piece of that piece of shit, right? He knew now he wants us to give up our right to appeal because he doesn't want us to prove that he's wrong. And so poor Suzanne had to sit there and she had very young kids at the time and make the decision. Do I she wanted to fight, but her friends and her family were like, you need to be there for your kids. Don't you can't risk getting more than, you know, the, this jury could give you more than 10 years in prison, and then you wouldn't be able to be out on an appeal bond while you did it. And so I remember, you know, I remember I will never forget her going through that decision-making process. Um, and and she had she made the decision. And I, I can't fault her for that. I mean, she had to she had to protect her family, but how dare they put her in that position? How dare it they? was it was it was shocking at the time for people in the profession. Um, and the question was, you know, why would she why would she do that? Why would she take a deal? And I think at the time, it, there actually were decent reporters who said, look, this is because of uh, the risk that she faces being, you know, a mom and a small businesswoman. And at, yeah, it was it was horrible. So, Pete, walk us through how she got back in front of the appellate court. So the, the next thing that we did, and I, I stated, I mean, she was, I mean, they, they ruined her, okay? And so when, you know, and I stayed with her, I, I, I mean, I, I, and you and I, I think Philip talked about it. I couldn't believe, right, when you were on council, I couldn't believe that this had happened. And I was not going to let it go. And I just kept telling her, I said, there will, I, I said, I feel like that there will be an opportunity, okay, for us to right this wrong. And, and I want to be clear, right? I, you know, when we talk about the judge that over, overheard it, I, I don't, I think I'd love to talk to him and figure out why he was doing what he was doing. I don't know if there was undue pressure. He was getting, you know, I want to be careful. I, you don't want, I don't want to do anything bad on the judiciary, but it just did. I never had been in front of a judge like that, that would, that would, you could tell that he would listen but he would never make the, the decision to help the defendant at all. And I have no idea, I'm purely speculating, but I don't want to look like that I'm blaming the judge. But I look back at all of the times that this could have been ended, right, before we had to go through and it, and it didn't happen. So- Well, and that's something we're gonna get into once we kind of finish the story is because Smith County, where this judge came from, has some stark, some, similarities to Collin County and frankly to Denton County and that's that's part of what I wanted to get into that Kathy Wise really couldn't get into because it didn't it's not really a part of the story she was trying to tell I just think that people who live in these places that are supposedly very nice places to live need to understand how fucking mean their their neighbors are and and I mean I don't think I'm being unfair there. Do you, Pete? No. I, I again, if, if people, and I grew, again, I grew up in Collin County until I got into this profession. Even as a police officer, I had no idea that this is, this is what, this is what was going on at the courthouse. None. Okay. And you hear people like, well, I got screwed or I got, you know, whatever. It's like, well, and you don't I want to believe that. You know, it sounds like it sounds self serving. Right. Our system goes out of that. Right. And then you see this. Right. And it's like the people that aren't, that don't have the ability to hire a lawyer, 
right? Or they go with the public defender, and there's, there's some good public defenders out there. I'm not saying that, but but you know, you, you get what you pay for, right? How much time people have to spend on your case and how much they're gonna advocate and do whatever. I mean, it's like it's just it's just our system is the it's the best of the world, but it's not perfect, right? Um, and so we had bifurcated the trial. So, so Judge Wooten had gone first because we're like, who, you know, if we get what we need in the trial, the right indictment, the right jury charge, you know, the law of the jury and everything else, we'll be able to get into all these things. But again, as I told you, as we as we were kind of getting ready to go to trial, I knew, I mean, the, I mean, the odds were stacked against us. Um, so, you know, obviously Judge Wooten got convicted. The next trial was for safety carry. Uh, which was the wife of the uh, of one of the of the, of the couple, um, and she was convicted and given the same sentence that Judge Wooten had gotten. The third person was uh, Steve Spencer, and Steve um, had some things in his background that he was worried about. You know, he saw the writing on the wall. He saw that man. I've already had two juries convict. If I don't take this deal, I could spend life in prison. Right? If if I have some of these issues kind of rear suddenly head, so he ended up taking a plea deal. Uh, just to, to do it again, waive your right to appeal. That was the goal, right? They couldn't get Stacey Curry to do that because she's like, ah, I'm going to appeal it. So then Dave Curry went last, and Dave Curry also got convicted. He got sentenced to 14 years in prison. Oh, my okay? God. And so they offered him the same thing. They said, if you waive your right to appeal, we won't, we'll, we'll give you this. And he goes, nope, I'm not doing it. And, and that one decision by David Curry is what opened the door uh, for everybody to get get the relief that they, they so deserve in this case. So, Stacy appealed her case first. The three three judge panel, the fifth uh, district court of appeals, affirmed the conviction because they they really didn't. And I think it just got down to they really didn't understand what was going on, right? And so Dave Carey, while he's in prison, is doing a lot of the appellate work himself. He's like, I'm going to do this, right? So he ends up filing an appeal, okay, and gets another set of three, and some of the three longest-serving justices on the Fifth District Court of Appeals in Dallas, and they said what we had been saying all along is that this wasn't a crime under Texas law. How this was pled was wrong. Uh, you cannot charge a judge uh, with bribery under 3602A1, which is a you know benefit for a benefit, right, the cash behind the church. When it involves anything involving political contributions, and so they overturned the the uh, the conviction. So because we had one fifth, uh, one panel of the fifth district court of appeals, and the other one that they were in conflict, the court of criminal appeals, the highest criminal court in the state of Texas, agreed to hear the case. And that happened. That that decision, and I followed it along. I I had um, one, one of the, the telling signs that I that I knew that things are going to get better is, uh, of course, Harry White couldn't get on, couldn't get off the stick. He wanted to ruin Suzanne, so wanted her disbarred. And I, I represented Judge Wooten free to go down to Austin, and I argued in front of the Board of Disciplinary Appeals for the State Bar of Texas, 12 lawyers, right there were appointed by the Supreme Court, um, who heard all the evidence. And you know what? Harry got the, uh, the 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 disciplinary lawyer who the state wanted to do. They got him. To, they got her to call him as a witness. I got to cross examine that motherfucker. Okay, and it was it was awesome. And so that panel <laughs> up there was like they had the option to either they only had two options: either disbar 
or suspend, right, for the term of probation, okay? And Because there's no, that the rules are, are crystal clear. Once you've been convicted of a felony, you're not practicing law. Yep, you're not, you know, so, but in 95% of the time, they would always disbar, right? They mm -hmm. would never, you know, so for the first time, I remember getting the opinion where they suspended her. Yeah. I remember them saying, what in the hell? Right, the, you know what, it, and, and they said, and they got a harp on why didn't you appeal? And the man explained, you know, the circumstances. Um, so fast forward to, to the beginning of 2017, the Court of Criminal Appeals uh, issued a ruling, unanimous ruling, acquitting both Steve or Stacy and uh, and Dave Carey of of all charges, saying there's just there is this is this is not a crime under Texas law. By the way, this wasn't the first time in Collin County that they had they had indicted somebody for something that wasn't a crime. Uh, a couple of sheriffs, right? Sheriff Bowles and Sheriff uh, the Sheriff Lucas up in Denton, they indicted them, and they were they were quashed because they were indicted for things that were not a crime. Okay, because they had a judge who who was, for whatever reason uh, didn't I don't know if they fear retaliation or whatever, but did 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 their job and, and quashed the indictment. And so what that did is when we got that, that opened up the door um, to to for me to, and I, I filed a, a writ of habeas corpus declaring innocence as a matter of law. And that got filed in the district court. We and, and there are several new players now because here it was, you know, uh, six years later, seven years later, you know, so you know, Abbott was now governor. We had Ken Paxton in the AG's office. Um, and I had been helping Ken on his cases. I, I long gone now, but early on when he got in trouble. And I he's I think kind of seeing now what happens when you know politics, you know, they you get somebody who wants to go after you, they've got friends in a in a DA's office somewhere. This is what can happen, right? And so what ended up happening is we ended up presenting it to the new judge of the uh, the 416th up in Collin County, um, and it was granted. And so she was, uh, with, a, with a swipe of a pen, uh, was acquitted on all of the charges, um, and everything was set aside, and off she went. She was able to, uh, get, to be exonerated, which, again, most people would not have had the time or the resources to do that. Yeah, I mean that it, she was in a very um, favorable position in terms of her resources. Obviously, she wasn't being treated fairly, but she could withstand some level of fight. And then I think you went right back down to the disciplinary committee and got her license uh, reinstated, right? Yeah. So as soon as they right the state bar, as soon as they got the the, the order. Uh, they they re immediately reinstated her bar license. Um, oh, you didn't even have to go do anything. No, I. Well, I That's sent awesome. Them, I sent them a letter, and they're like, "No, here you go." The other thing is, is I was able to get the ten thousand dollar fine she paid refunded. Um, there was a claim that we had with the state of Texas uh, because she never resigned her bench, so she technically was the judge of the three eightieth uh, until. Uh, 2020, 20, beginning of 2013. Uh -huh. So they never paid her for. Um, and then that, <laughs> of course, that, that, I know. Then that led to, um, and again, as I talk, as I talk about a lot of these things, you know, I'm talking as a, as a witness, not necessarily a lawyer, right? 
because I, I was such a witness in the case of the tyranny that I that I witnessed in the Conn County DA's office at the time, um, I couldn't handle the civil case. I wanted to sue the shit out of them, right? Because of what they did. Um, and I couldn't do it because I was a witness. I would be, you know, disqualifying myself. So um that's how and that's was, a, that's just a that's just a rule. Um yeah. it, the minute you you the minute you know you're gonna become a witness to the case you have to withdraw from representing any litigant in the case. Correct. That's what, that's what would have happened. So um, I, you know, so we, Scott Palmer had done a lot of civil rights cases. I knew Scott is a good friend of mine and I connected him and Judge Wooten together and, and Scott was fortunate enough to, to agree to take the case on. Um, and good dude. I, yeah, good dude. And they were, I, Collin County, I just, they they were shitting bricks that they could be on the hook for this. Um, and what at the end of the day is what 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 the uh, the federal judge ruled in the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals agreed was that when you become when you play cop as an assistant DA in a DA's office, you lose your absolute immunity, and you're you're potentially liable. And so um, they were able to get rid of some of the people out of the case, but they couldn't get Chris Milner uh, and John Roach out of, the, out of the civil case. And of course, that imputed back to Collin County. They would have to pay uh, what, what they did. And um, that's kind of what happened. So when they offered... So policy, all that bullshit so many years ago with Milner doing the special cases squad or whatever he called it, I mean, that is just... Because normally governments aren't liable to anybody for anything that's the sort of basic rule and the fact that he thought you know he's too smart by half right the, he just wadded up his immunity and threw it away yeah and and i i i and, and the law had been that way for years he just thought he just i think he thought he was smart enough that he would never he would never fall into the trap and this is why law enforcement has qualified immunity, right? They don't have absolute immunity. You can still sue the government for violating your civil rights, which is what they did in Judge Wooten's case. I mean, we were going to say, you took away her resources, you violated her right to due process, you did all of these things that you're going to be held accountable for. And so when they offered the policy limits on the, on, you know, my understanding is I wasn't involved, obviously, in those negotiations because I wasn't, I wasn't Judge Wooten's lawyer, but my understanding was that they were going to offer policy limits, which is the max that they could pay out under the insurance policy for Collin County. When the insurer said, we're going to pay it, and they said, well, we've been, we're, we're done. We'll settle. We'll sign a, a waiver. of We're not going to appeal it. We're just done. And so that was a win, right? You have a county who, and they, they say, they again, you know, you have like, like no, neither side you know, admits any wrongdoing. Really, you paid six hundred thousand dollars. Don't you think everyone's going to know you did something, right? I mean, you just look at the facts. And so, uh, it was a little bit of money. I always thought she should have gotten a lot more, but I understood why they why they did what they did. How's she today? You keep up? She's doing great. I, you know, she, uh, you know, her her law practice is doing well. Um, she's traveling. She's. Uh, um, you know, she's one of the best mediators in the state, you know, make doing, I mean, she kind of, uh, invented doing mediations via virtually via zoom. And she's done, I think she's one of the, one of the ones that has done the most in the state of Texas. Um, and so again, I, I can't get her those eight years back. 
right, or nine years back. I can't, you know, and that that is, you know, unfortunate. But you know, all of our kids are grown now. I mean, they, you know, they had all of a sudden they were getting the poor kids were getting, you know, beat, you know, getting, you know, made fun of in school. Your mom's a felon, you know, just that kind of stuff. It's just, it was just wrong. I mean, all the way around. And again, I, I, I literally just, you know. Is after the 2017 court hearing where I finally got a little bit more uh, that yeah it may take some time but our system can work and may you know but you gotta you gotta keep, keep keeping your eye on the on the target and moving forward um, but it was it was tough for me after the after the jury trial I'm like how how does this happen and and it wasn't like I was just typing it wasn't like I was this this lawyer out there that was just not getting it right that I was this delusionary lawyer. I was proven right, right? That that my arguments that I made in the first month of the indictment was exactly what the Court of Criminal Appeals used to say, what the hell are you doing, right? And so the system failed. Well, that's, that's, this is the part that I wish Kathy had been able to delve into a little bit more. I was, so in Collin County, um, the courts do not have specialized jurisdiction uh, like they do in most other populous counties in Texas. In Dallas, when I go down to practice civil trial law, because I never mess with family or criminal, um, except when somebody like Scott Palmer hires me to uh, collect on his judgments in his family law cases. I've done that a few times, which is fun. Um, but it, you know, normally I'm going down to a judge who is um, has been elected to a bench that is civil. It just handles the the shit I do, and that's that's really good actually because we tend to get people with more expertise on the bench in the specialized courts. But in Collin County, they don't have that, and because of the way that they handle their business up there, criminal goes first. Whatever the judge has that day, that morning, criminal goes first. And family goes second, and your civil stuff can wait until all that stuff's over. Some of these judges have gotten a lot better about the scheduling, but it used to be you were there 9 a.m. for a cattle call, and you had no idea when your hearing was going to get called. You know, I've sat up in Collin County for five hours waiting on a hearing and sitting through sometimes jury trials for family and criminal cases. And I was always struck by how fucking mean they are i mean the if if you got a if you got a criminal defendant they're getting the max um you know they 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 just i don't know man it, it's it's one of those things where if you don't have exposure to the justice system you got no reason to know this you got a million dollar house in west plano and you you know you have a, a nice job where downtown you drive back and forth and you think you're just doing great if you if you wind up at the mercy of your neighbors, it, it can it could turn real bad for you. Have you seen stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, I don't remember. I mean, it's just it, again one of the big reasons that the Collin County District judges never wanted to specialize is because the money comes from the civil the civil lawyers, right, for the campaign, and the criminal the criminal lawyers have a hard time raising money because they can't tap into the family lawyers and the civil lawyers. 
Um, and, I, and, I, and I heard that more than more is that they didn't want to lose the, their ability to raise cash. So I, again, I think, I, I just think that the constitution needs to say that once your county reaches a certain population, your district judges have to have to specialize. It's just the right thing to do. So we don't have these situations, right? Where everybody's waiting in court and trying to do it. I mean, just, we need to be efficient, especially when we have these, these large dockets in these large counties. I just, I don't know. I think that people, I, I hope that, that people in Collin County read the Kathy Wise story because I think it's very eye-opening for them about the political structure of their county. But if I could just add that one thing on there for people to understand that there needs to be some kind of public education of their neighbors so that they don't have unjust outcomes because of a jury decision. You know, your, your jury got bad instructions, yes, but also they were angry about the way that judges get elected. That's not a, that's not a good basis. That's not a... That's not a disposition that a jury should have when deciding on somebody's liberty. Yeah, and, and again, as I said, the, you know, the, the attorney general's office seized on that, right? They didn't help. They could have said, hey, ladies and gentlemen, this is how we elect our judges. You can't hold that against. I try to argue that, right? But when they didn't hear it from the state, he was prosecuting the cases that, hey, yeah, this, this, is, this is fucked up, but this is how we do it, <laughs> right? Don't don't blame don't blame this this judge for it, but I just you know uh, yeah. So well, you know, and one one thing that's good here. So the explain what was explain what using an assistant attorney general got for the prosecution. So they were worried that if because they also the, the current. The current attorney or the, or the current district attorney of Collin County is Greg Wilkes. Okay. Now I'll tell you that Collin County is very incestuous, right? You've got the DA, Mary Jo District Judge. I love both of them. Don't get me wrong. I love I love Joe Willis and Greg Wilkes. Uh, you got Cindy Wheelis and Ray Wheelis who are married. You have Corinne Mason and her husband, who's now a judge. You have you know you 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 have other related couples. I mean, it's just. Again, it goes back to the appointed system, right? And you know, when it kind of got on, Judge Judge Roach or John Roach was going after Greg Willis as well because he didn't want Greg Willis to be the, the DA to succeed him. He had decided to retire uh, back in uh, in 20, 2012 was going to be the end of his his term, uh, and then January first, twenty thirteen, is when Greg Willis took office. Um, because any and John Roach didn't know Greg was going to run, so one of the grand juries that was hearing everything actually wrote a letter saying that this DA's office under Roach is going after Greg Willis. He didn't do anything. It's not a crime, but he was putting this cloud over Greg Willis, uh, so he they could try to affect the election, right? Because of what they wanted. So when they saw Greg run. Uh, it became clear that Milner and, and Roach decided that, you know what, we need to bring in the attorney general's office so we can have some uh, some continuity that because John Roach's biggest fear was that if Greg Willis took over, saw the crap of shit that the, or the heap of shit that this was, he would dismiss it and move on. Right. Uh, and probably was right because Greg's a smart man. He, he could see through the BS. Right. He knew what the, he knew what they were doing. 
So the only way the attorney general can come in on a criminal case in any county is only by the explicit invitation from the elected DA. And that is what happened. John Roach called Greg Abbott, who was his buddy, and said, hey, I need you to take over this case. And uh, that's how it happened. And so uh, we even had a time in the case where Greg Willis had asked to take the case back. And again, Judge Russell denied it. You know, it's the elected DA of the county wanting to take a case over that had been given up by the predecessor. Uh, case law supported it, but it was denied. And so that was a chance that was a chance again for uh, for the judge to to for again I I I I can't imagine I, I don't know what I, I I don't know what else I could we could have done you know to to, to get relief. It's that's an amazing could, story. Go ahead, Tyler. Yeah, sorry. no, I was, the thing that I think is just that's what I find so stunning about this is the number of people that had to be complicit in the entire thing which was essentially just a complete partisan sham. Um, and and how you can do that to a, a woman and you know the, another couple and ruin their lives over being upset that you lost an election is and it's I mean it's it you know it's not shocking because I mean that's the world we live in today, right with election deniers and and you know the environment that that you know President Trump has created, but this shows that it has existed before. Trump, right? Um, that you know something is truly rotten in Collin County Republican uh, politics, and I mean, God, the number of people that had to go along with this is stunning. And you know, I don't know how you can be a Collin County resident and read this uh, and not want to, you know, I Clean mean, throw, every, throw everybody out, right? I mean, that's just, and you know, and it's good, I, I guess, that the ledge, um, you know, got rid of the the. For one of the grand jury selection models, which was basically, you know, people, people getting to pick their own. I mean, that is an insane system, right? Um, as well. Um, and, and good that the ledge got rid of that in 2015. But man, I mean, the number of people that have some amount of culpability in this is is pretty wild. Um, and again, I don't know how you read this and, and not want to just get rid of everybody. Um, and just the, you know, the the other part of the that that's just so staggering to me is that all of these people whose lives were almost ruined by this thing, they 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 owe it all to one dude refusing to give up and and doing this from prison. Yeah, and and the sad thing about Dave is, you know, right after he was he was exonerated. And acquitted, you know, he was killed by riding his bike, and he now yeah. he, and they, they, I mean, that, 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 that devastated me because, you know, of all the work, you know, um, I mean, it just again, I mean, you know, whether whether you're spiritual or religious or not, you got to realize there, there's there's something that was going on uh, to to make this right. I mean, I, I I'm a firm believer that you know everything happens for a reason, right? Um, that things got to come full circle, but I, you know, being a lawyer and being, you know, trying to to manage my rules of professional responsibility, I I'm exercising my First Amendment right to say that I cannot believe that we have we have a system where this can happen, right? I don't know. And again, I, I would love to know why uh, the judge from Tyler County was picked. 
I would love to know what he was told. I would love to know what was going on, and we'll, we'll ever get that information. Um, but I knew the research. I you know I knew he was a brand new judge. He was in his first term. Um, he had, you know, I believe he had higher goals uh, a political office. Who knows, right? Um, and again, I, I just, it was just decision after decision after decision. I can be honest, I've never experienced that with any other member of the judiciary, ever, right? You lose some, you win some, but I've never seen something so blatantly obvious under the law get denied that many times. Yeah, and I, you know, I I have examples of judges in civil matters, including some in Collin County, where the judge got it egregiously wrong, like really, really, totally wrong. But I don't, I never got the sense that it was because of bias or prejudice. It was, it, you know, it's you know, Hanlon's razor never ascribed to malice that which can't be adequately explained by incompetence. That that's what it always, and you know. My case is we're just fighting over money. It's the stakes are a lot higher when you can go to prison. Yeah, I uh, yeah. So I am I am glad that I don't have to I don't run in that run in that uh, circle anymore. My uh, my stress level is a lot lower now. <laughs> <laughs> was there well, one quote in here talked about the grand jury was like a reunion of the Collin County Republican Party? That was the, yeah. uh, I like that quote. Yeah. Like, oh, was it like a reunion there? What? Yeah. Yep. Well, we can go screw all of our friends. <laughs> Unbelievable. I, I don't know. Well, Pete, I want to thank you so much for agreeing to come on and talk to us. It's, uh, you know, I'm privileged to know a lot of really interesting people. And I, I saw your quotes in that wise piece. I was like, we got to get him on. This is going to be so much fun. That's fair. <laughs> I I thought he was I thought you know it was he was fair game. He was off the bench, but I just realized he's not. But he's all dirt. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll do a little editing of that end of this end piece, and we'll just have it end with you saying cool things. All uh, right, well, I appreciate that. Not that I'm, I mean, not that I wouldn't 